You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift Welcome back to Cross Section. I'm Kevin Jensen. Glad you're with us for another episode of The In Between. This is Section 8J Demons, Guardian Angels, and Children. In fact, two of the stories uh, that we'll look at today from the life and teachings of Jesus involve uh, children. Uh, one, a young man who is possessed by a demon, and the other uh, brings up the question, do children have guardian angels? Does anyone else have guardian angels? So we'll talk about that, what the Bible has to say about that. We've been looking at episodes in the life of Jesus, his teachings, his miracles, things he did, demons he encountered, what he had to say about uh, the devil, or even interactions with the devil quite a ways back uh, toward the beginning of his ministry. All of this uh, teaching us about the in-between realm, the topic of our Wednesday morning senior adults and friends Bible study, the in-between realm, that realm where angels exist and demons and heavenly and dark powers and the devil and even the spirits of the dead as they await resurrection. We've been learning a lot going through the Bible, uh, more or less chronologically, and we're coming toward the end of the ministry of Jesus now in our study. And I hope you've learned a lot, and I hope that you enjoy today's lesson, too. I sure am enjoying it and learning from it. Really appreciate our class uh, as they have added to my knowledge and brought us into some really good discussion. And I hope you have a great time with this lesson today. Thanks for joining us. Let's jump in. So I had a dream last night. Yeah, Karen? Yeah. I had a dream last night that somebody said to me, um, Jesus only spoke with Satan once, but um, God spoke with Satan a lot of times, according to the Bible. And then it got me thinking, how many times did Jesus speak with Satan? Not hmm. the demons, but Satan. That's recorded. Yeah. Okay, let me think through that. I believe we only have one direct encounter and conversation between uh, Satan and Jesus recorded, and that's Jesus' temptations in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. I just mentioned just very briefly, like in one line in, in Mark 1, um, but the actual conversation is in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Um, I guess we could call that just one verbal interaction between them, although it may have lasted all 40 days. Uh, there's you know, nothing in the story that says it only lasted a few minutes. I mean, you can read it in a few minutes, but it may have stretched out over weeks, possibly. Um, these were big temptations. Jesus may have battled them for quite a while, uh, possibly. Uh, we don't know. Or he may have, you know, knocked it out right away. We're not sure. Uh, and then God, yeah, we know of at least a couple of interactions between God and the devil directly. Uh, one is in uh, the book of Job, uh, chapters one and two. Uh, God and Job interact directly twice. In the opening chapters of Job, uh, where Satan says to God, oh, Job, you know, he's only faithful because you bless him so much. Take away his blessings and he'll curse you to your face. And God says, well, let's give that a try. Let's see what happens. Um, and of course, Job uh, perseveres and is faithful in spite of all his doubts and questions and frustrations. Um, and, and Satan just disappears from the scene, you know, once they start their experiment. Um and then Zechariah 4, I think it is, uh, we have a, a vision in which uh, Satan is accusing Joshua, the high priest, before God, and God is working to redeem and cleanse his people uh, who are kind of represented in, in the person of Joshua. Uh, and um, uh, the Lord actually rebukes Satan, tells him, knock it off, basically. Um, and other than that, course of the garden of eden genesis 3 was that the one you were thinking of uh, where the lord curses the serpent which we find out later yeah, that was another one yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah i mean I'm, I'm confident that jesus has had a lot more interactions with the devil than that but <laughs> you know we only have the one the one scene recorded for us in scripture uh even, even in you bet even in revelation we only have um let me think we know the devil, you know, does battle with his, he and his angels against Michael and his angels in Revelation 12. But um, I don't think we have any direct contact mentioned between him and God, between him and, and Jesus. 
uh, in Revelation. I mean, he's always around. He's definitely doing battle. He tries to tries to capture uh, Jesus as an infant and destroy him um, in Revelation uh, 12 and can't. God rescues Jesus. Um, kind of a symbolic uh, portrayal of the devil's uh, effort to stop Jesus' life and ministry on earth. Um, but that's all I can come up with off the top of my head, Karen. Well, thank you. It was a weird dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting dream. I, I think your dream was right. Interesting, Lisa. <laughs> that's fun. Neat, neat, neat. Okay, well, today that was a nice, uh, nice intro. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about uh, the power of Jesus versus the power of Satan. We started that uh, subtopic, I suppose, last week, and we'll continue with that one this week. Uh, we're going to look first at a little bit about demons. We're also going to look at a little bit about children, interestingly enough. Uh, and then if we have time, we'll get into the book of John a little bit today and look at something that Jesus said about the devil that really gives us uh, about as much information as we have about the devil's background, really more about the devil's character, uh, who he is, what he's all about as God sees it. And so that's really interesting stuff. So hopefully we'll get there today. We'll, we'll see how our pacing goes. Let's start in Mark 9, verses 14 to 29. Uh, we finished last time with the story of uh, Jesus' transfiguration, his transformation when he uh, shone with bright light and uh, Moses and Elijah appeared with him up on the mountain. Uh, and they were, they were talking about his exodus, his departure from Jerusalem, probably meaning his death and resurrection. Uh, and then uh, God spoke and said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him and sort of elevated Jesus above even Moses and Elijah. Uh, and then um, right after that, as Jesus and his disciples come down that mountain, this is what happens. So Mark 9, verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. All right. Interesting story about uh, Jesus' encounter with a demon. You remember from our earlier uh, lessons that Jesus had given his disciples uh, power to cast out demons, but they seem to be stuck this time. And in fact, there's an argument going on between them and the teachers of the law sparked apparently by the disciples' inability to get the demon out, which caused probably people to doubt uh, their authority um, from God to, uh, um, to teach about God and that sort of thing. Um, so Jesus asks about their argument when he, uh, when he gets down to the group. And uh, when, they, uh, when they answer what the argument was about, 
he finds out that there's a, a, a boy or young man. We don't get an age here. He's been around a little while, at least. Uh, he's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Uh, and let me uh, let me ask you, what else does this spirit do to this this boy? Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself uh, if you'd like to answer. What what else does the spirit do to the boy? It's robbed him of speech. What else? Well, it tries to kill him, right? <laughs> throw him in the fire, throw him in water. Yeah. Yeah, it tries to kill him in, in fire and water. That's in verse uh, 22. Yeah, it has often done this. So you, you can imagine uh, the parents have to stay around this boy all the time to make sure that he just stays alive. Yeah. Um, I remember in Honduras when Sherry and I were there in 2007, uh, there was a, a girl who um, uh, had uh, hearing loss and, and maybe some mental problems and and the family had to keep her either chained to something or in a in a room that was locked, uh, so that she couldn't uh, couldn't go anywhere and hurt herself. They were afraid she'd get lost in the in the jungle, or where she would hurt herself, and they wouldn't know, and she wouldn't be able to call for help or hear them if they called. And uh, maybe it was similar for this this boy, Zay. The the way it describes it to me, it's like what we have now. <clears throat> Now called epileptic seizures. Yes, it does sound like epilepsy, doesn't it? Uh, in fact, yeah. when Jesus says, bring the boy to me, and then they bring him, uh, verse 20, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. That sounds just like an epileptic, epileptic seizure uh, to me. I, I've seen some of those. My sister has epilepsy and I've seen some of those grand mal seizures and they're, they're scary. And it sounds like that's what this boy's going through. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I've seen them in school. Some of the kids had it and would have seizures in a classroom. And that was the first thing I thought of when it said foaming at the mouth. Mm-hmm. And so this spirit causes this boy to have seizures of some sort. It sounds like. Uh, also, um, verse 18, when it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. And that also sounds like epileptic seizures. Yeah. So this and is a then, very dangerous spirit. Yep. Uh, what's that, Zay? I just said yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Yep. All right. So you can see why the man, is, the father, is uh, so concerned and, and just pleads with Jesus to help him. Um and in verse 18, you kind of scratch your heads at this one. I, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And you can hear Jesus' frustration when he says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Uh, he, sees, uh, he sees, you know, questioning and doubting and, and just an inability to do what God would expect the people to do. Anybody else so have Kevin, a thought here? Yeah. So Kevin? Yeah, Richard. In saying that, is Jesus saying that they should have realized that prayer was needed? I suspect so. What do you think? It's the only thing that fits because he explains to them. And does, in one of the versions, does it say uh, prayer and fasting? I think so. Yeah, either Matthew or Luke, I, I think, does. Yeah. Christ isn't going to rebuke his disciples over something that he hadn't taught them. That's the only mm. way I can put the two together. He's rebuking <laughs> them. And then he says, you have to have prayer involved. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think he's saying I'm going to teach. I'm teaching you something more here because that wouldn't go with his rebuke. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, he, he seems to have ex he seems to expect them to have done better than they've done in this case. And so maybe he had taught them to to pray. Um, you know, I think this is uh, one of those passages that reminds us that um, spiritual warfare is a difficult thing. Uh, beware of people who go around thinking they can just cast out any demon because 
A, some might be stronger than others. Jesus says in verse 29, this kind can come out only by prayer. There may be others that the disciples could drive out more easily, but not this one. Uh, and B, all power to cast out a demon um, comes from God. You know, so it would not be appropriate for the disciples or for anybody today to act like, oh, I have the power to do this and not give full credit to God. But isn't that part of the problem that maybe they were so used to being able to cast things out and get praise for it that they hadn't stopped to pray? They weren't really giving God the glory. Mm. Hmm. Well, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? That could be it. That could be it. It's kind of what it sounds like to me. Yeah. So in our battle um, against uh, Satan and against demonic powers, um, the dark powers in the heavenly realms, I think Paul describes them as something like that in Ephesians 6, uh, we need to be uh, really invested in prayer. And remember that this is not a battle we can win by ourselves. We're working against beings that are um, that, that live in a different plane of existence than we do and uh, are more powerful than us in a lot of ways. And yet we have been given God's Holy Spirit to protect us and guide us and to help us. And we have been given full access to God in prayer. Uh, we need to take those uh, opportunities and uh, seek God's help and not try to fight this battle alone. A lot of people who really struggle in life um, struggle not because God has just kind of left them to suffer, but because they uh, try to do everything by themselves. And so God says, okay, uh, go ahead. And uh, you see this, you know, say in young adults, and not just young adults, uh, it could be anybody, but I see it a lot in young adults right now um, who think, uh, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't need to get advice from anybody. I'm just going to go live my life. And then they mess it up and they can't figure out why things are going so badly. And you just shake your head and say, hey, I'm trying to help you here, but, but they uh, uh, don't want to receive help. And people do that with God too. And I wonder if the disciples maybe got a little cocky or a little forgetful or just overwhelmed by the moment and forgot to pray. Kevin? Yeah, Earl. Uh, you know, when the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it, it out? Is this something they, they, they had never seen before and absolutely had no idea what to do uh, for this young man? Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, you well, know, without I... being taught by, by uh, Jesus, you know, uh, uh, this is something totally new to these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems to have been. They do seem surprised, don't they? I'm glad you noticed that and pointed it out for us. Yeah, they asked Jesus yeah, privately, you know, why couldn't we drive it out? They, they do seem confused by this. Yeah, in my sophomore year in, in biology class, I sat between these two gals and, and the one on my left she she uh, uh, had a, a, a leptic uh, seizure. It scared us the whole class to death. And my teacher was due with the baby any time, mm. and it scared her. Mm. And she she knew to grab a pencil and put it in, in her mouth under her tongue. So uh, her, uh, I guess so she would swallow the tongue as saying with. But, mm -hmm. you know, I never seen this girl or her brother after that happened. Not one time did I see him, either one of them. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's, it's I, a hard I just thing. imagine it was probably embarrassing to her. But, uh, you know, it's sure scared to live a day outside of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is scary. There's been a lot of good work done on how to fight epilepsy. And I'm really grateful to God for that. My sister's benefited yeah. from that. Uh, medication yeah. has helped her over the years. But it's a scary thing. And you can see why this uh, father is so concerned uh, for his son. I mean, this isn't yes. just epilepsy. This is demonic epilepsy, uh, demon-induced epilepsy, yeah. apparently. And it is a frightening thing. And maybe it scared the disciples, too. I don't know. But uh, you, you point out, you know, you make a good point, Earl, that uh, this is something new is going on here for the disciples. They haven't faced this kind of demon before. Or they're uh, not doing it the right way, you know, not in prayer. And 
they're surprised that whatever they're trying isn't working. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty fascinating little moment here. Um, it reminds us that spiritual warfare is not easy. You know, uh, battling demons and such is not something we should just, you know, assume is going to be a cinch for us. It's, uh, it can be difficult. Let me check real quick. Did we miss anything that I wanted to bring out? Um, notice again, the, <laughs> the uh, spirits always know, the demons always know when they're around Jesus. I mean, Jesus is very obvious to them. And uh, when the spirit saw Jesus in verse 20, it threw the boy into a convulsion. I mean, it, the, the spirits react whenever Jesus is near. Sometimes they speak and uh, cry out about him or speak to him. And sometimes they do something to the person. And uh, here they do something to this boy. Uh, I'm guessing he's a teenager or even a young man, because verse 21 says he's been like this from childhood, which makes me think it's been a while. Uh, he's not just a little little guy. And then verse 22. Yes, Monica. No, Mary oh, no, Jo. No Monica. Mary Jo, thank you. Go ahead, Mary Jo. When back to the disciples, and he says their lack of faith. When he when they came back from after he had sent them out with all this power to do these things, didn't they make some comment about uh, having uh, cast out had something about casting out demons or not? Yeah. Yes, they so, sure uh, did. Uh, in fact, that was in said, when Jesus said uh, that he saw Satan falling. And that, it seems to me that they had some power. They sure did. They sure did. Yeah. So that story is in Luke 10, if I remember right. Yep. Luke 10, uh, when Jesus sends out the 72. And then, um, let's see here. Uh, yeah. Verse 17, Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And that's where Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Yeah, we, we'll get to that story uh, pretty soon, I think, in our study. Yeah, actually, yeah, pretty, pretty soon we're coming up on that one. So that, that's coming. Uh, that's the 72. Jesus has already given the, the 12 power to cast out demons. So we know they've been casting some out, um, which, you know, this makes you kind of wonder what went wrong here. And I think uh, Sherry might have been on the right track there in her comment yeah so yeah they, they uh they had okay. cast out demons in the 72 will pretty soon go ahead Zane. okay <laughs> through the years i've lost track of something why do we not have demons like that today yeah yeah good question and we've we've talked about that a little bit here and there um but we don't have a real great answer um there are a couple theories um, so when we were in, uh, Arkansas on our trip this summer, uh, my son and older daughter and, and me, uh, we have lunch with a friend of mine who was a missionary in Mozambique in Southeastern Africa. He was there for 15 years, he and his wife and their, uh, daughters. And she asked him, uh, did you ever see anybody who was demon possessed? And I was not feeling good that day. So I was lying on the couch resting, um, but I was half listening. And I think what he said was, and I've heard other uh, missionaries say this for sure. Yes, he did see people he thought were demon possessed. And so uh, there's certainly still demons around today. Do they still possess people is kind of the question, right? And he said he saw some people that he thought had been demon possessed. He had never seen that in the United States though. And so he was wondering, is this a uh is this a a technique demon possession is that a technique that the devil uses against people who um who it would frighten um who would uh, uh attribute the demon possession to the power of the devil and and uh, kind of fall under his power that way where in the western part of the world uh we see somebody with epilepsy we try to find a scientific reason for it. Okay, what's going wrong in the brain? And there might be demonic influence, but we're trying to fix the brain. We're, we don't even pay attention to the devil there. We don't even think about the devil there. It's just not in our minds to do so. And so maybe he doesn't try that as much in our part of the world as in other parts of the world. That's one theory. Another theory uh, that I've heard is that 
God allowed demon possession to happen in the time of the New Testament in order to let Jesus display his power against demons. Uh, but God does not permit that anymore. I'm not so confident in that theory, but it's worth thinking through. Uh, or maybe God limits demon possessions more now than he did then. Um, so those are a couple of guesses, Zabe. I'm not sure I have a real good answer. Do you You have any thoughts on it? Yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Earl? Yes. Uh, is uh, the people that have schizophrenia, is that, uh, is that demon-possessed? Or, or uh, I know it's a shortcut or a, a, a short in their brain someplace, but is that, is that uh, called by demonic powers? Yeah, that's a really, really good question and, a, and an impossible. I, I don't know how to answer it exactly. I, we do know from the Gospels, and we see an example of it here, that demons could cause physical things to go wrong in the body, cause things to go wrong physically in the body. And so we have examples of, and we, we looked at this a few weeks ago, um, and in your handout, there's a, a list, uh, there's a section, one of the um, running theme sections uh, talks about what demons could do to people, right? Uh, we see people who are made blind by a demon. So the demon caused their eyes to not work anymore. We see people who are made mute to this boy, for example. Uh, the demon caused something to go wrong in the brain or in the mouth so that the, uh, the boy cannot speak. Um, we see, we will see, we haven't gotten there yet. We will see a woman who is bent over uh, for 18 years. And, and Jesus says the devil did that to her. She has a, a demonic spirit in her, but Jesus attributes what's happened to her to the devil. And so we see that the devil working through demons can cause things to go wrong in the physical body. And so when we think about schizophrenia or other mental disorders, uh, I think we could say for sure they have something going wrong in the brain, right? Something up there's not working right. And sometimes medication helps that. Um, but I think we can also speculate that there may be times when that's caused by demons because there were times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke when, that, when something like that was caused by demons. And Jesus was there to heal it, you know, and cast the demon out. Um, so, so, that's, so the short answer there is, that's the long answer. The short answer would be uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe schizophrenia is caused by demons. It at least could be, I would think. I think it's it's possible for it to be caused by demons, but I wouldn't be confident enough myself to every time I meet a person with schizophrenia to say that person has a demon. I mean, I, I just, I would be very hesitant to do that. Mm-hmm. Anybody else have a thought on that? Maybe more wisdom. Kevin. Yeah, Richard. I, there's a scripture says that are somewhere that says that our fight is not against, and I don't know the words. It's not against man, mankind, but against evil power of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're thinking of Ephesians six. Uh, Ephesians six and verse yes. um, twelve. Wow. Mm-hmm. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Uh, I don't know how uh, Satan uh, uses these powers that he has. I'm going to use a stupid example, but I think it's a truthful example. I do not believe that voodooism could ever have any control over me, but I truly believe that there have been people controlled by others through through this evil practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Paul does not make light of dark powers. Uh, He takes them very seriously. Um, You know, I think part of the reason that um, in the Old Testament, the Jewish law, the law of Moses, uh, prohibited Israelites from being involved in sorcery 
uh, or, you know, any kind of magic is um, there's something there, you know, there are evil, dark powers out there in the universe. And uh, just as there are angels of light, there are also beings of darkness and, uh, you know, at least fallen angels who are probably the same as demons, as we talked about, I think last week, um, and they have some ability, they have some power and we need to uh, not be involved with them. Um, and they may be able to exert some control over people, uh, you know, maybe through, uh, voodoo, other, other such things. Um, and, you know, again, our confidence is that is not a threat to Christians. Uh, if you are uh, led by and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you are protected from these things. Not that they don't have influence in the world around us, and that affects us, but uh, as for us ourselves, we are secured by uh, the protection of the Holy Spirit. Earl? Well, this guy, oh, I can't remember. It's been years ago that... Uh, um, that had control of all these people that took this, uh, drink this poison. Wasn't that in Johannesburg or something like that? What do you call, what do you call that? Demonic powers? <laughs> this guy that did that? Oh, there, there's definitely influence of the devil there, right? Oh, definitely. In, anytime you see evil, the devil is exerting influence. Um, he has uh, encouraged evil behavior of all sorts, and that too. And, you know, the bigger and and uglier it is, the the greater his uh, influence. I'm sure. He surely had control of a lot of people. Yeah. Did a demon come in and cause some of that to happen? I don't know. I have yeah. no way to, to know, gauge it may, that. It, it makes it makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sure does. Uh, but no doubt, you know, going back to Zay's question, are there still demons around today? No doubt they're still around. Uh, I'm a little more skeptical about demon possession. I I. Uh, where I'm at today on that issue, I'm pretty convinced it's, it's possible and probably happens. And I believe the missionaries that I've talked to who said they've seen it um, in person, but it just not, doesn't seem to be as common as, it, as we find it in the New Testament. Uh, but the, the influence of demons in the world is certainly still uh, very strong, and the influence of the devil is certainly still very strong, much too strong. Uh, and that's what we battle against, as Richard pointed out from what Paul said in Ephesians 6. You know, it's it's not human beings we battle against. It's it's these other powers, these dark powers. Well, um, you so. know, look at look at some of these politicians, how how controlling some of these guys can be. And I don't care. I don't care what party, you know, mm -hmm. some of them are very controlling. And, and you know, they make people absolutely believe they're 100 percent correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's to me, that's very strange actions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just just, you know, when you think about politicians, remember, the politician himself is not our enemy. Paul said our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right. So that person's not our enemy. Uh, the enemy is the forces behind that that um, want to manipulate for personal gain or for the gain of the party or something like that, um, who would do harm to someone else in order to do good for me. Um, you know, that's, that's what we have to keep our focus on where we are to be very, very concerned for people who are misled by the devil, because we understand that those people, uh, they're not the devil. They are captives to the devil who need to be set free from his influence. Um, so we, we reach out to them the best we can to, to help them. Kevin. Yeah. You were speaking about Africa. I have a cousin that was over there for many months preaching. And I'm going to use the wrong word because I don't know the right word. But he talked about the power of the witch doctors over the people. Mm. And it's not so much that the these people had any extraordinary powers but they made their followers believe they did. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's it. And so deception, the lie uh, is their power. Yeah. Which ties in really well with what Jesus says about the devil and passage we'll, uh, that we'll get to uh, before too long. Maybe, maybe today. In fact, let's go ahead and move on. If, if it's okay, let's go to our next passage uh, in Matthew 18. Here we go. Matthew 18, uh, verses 1 to 10. We're getting away from demons now and looking at angels here. 
uh, and children too. We had a story about a, a child or a young man who's possessed by a demon. We just read that one. Uh, now take a look at what Jesus says here in Matthew 18, one through 10. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Very encouraging message there, reminding us to be humble uh, and to take uh, the attitude of, of a child toward one another um, so that we may, may please God. Don't try to be the greatest because that's not what Jesus desires of us. Uh, and then verse six, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. And I just read all 10 of those verses to get to verse 10. <laughs> see that you do not despise one of these little ones because their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. So uh, some of you have asked uh, from time to time, do we have guardian angels? I don't know the answer exactly because the Bible doesn't say the answer exactly, but uh, the closest passage, uh, the passage that comes closest to saying that, yes, we do have guardian angels would be this one, Matthew 18, 10. Uh, and it says specifically that uh, the angels of these little ones always see the face of God the Father in heaven. Now, the question is, who are these little ones? And we have two possibilities, and it's possible that both of them are correct. One possibility is they could be the children that he mentions back in the, the first part of this passage. Um, that makes sense to me. Um, the other possibility is that the little ones are those who believe in Jesus, as he says in verse 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble. Uh, so it may be that he's saying that all believers have a guardian angel. I think he, uh, it, it seems to me that the children are the little ones here and that the children have angels in heaven who are connected to them somehow. It doesn't, doesn't say guardian angels, it just says they're angels, but that's kind of what it sounds like to me. So I want to know what, what do you think? How do you, uh, how do you see this passage? Kevin? Yeah, Richard. I believe in guardian angels. I cannot prove it. <laughs> but I've had some well, I guess I guess what it comes down to, I believe there's lots of things that happen in life. My life has had several of them that I don't believe are just by consequence. I believe God was involved. Now, whether it was God specifically or God using an angel, uh, uh, I, I just, I don't think it's coincidence that blindness kept me out of having to go to Vietnam, but then that blindness was cured. Mm. Uh, I've been in, uh, I've been in situations that could have been dangerous but something happened that made it not dangerous. I just, I, it's, it's either somebody watching over me or I'm the luckiest person that ever lived. Mm. <laughs> and what are the odds of that? Right. So right. more likely the former. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Richard. Anybody else? Uh, Kevin. Yes. Whenever I read this passage, I always think of the children. There was a children's song. When at night I go to sleep, 14 angels watched you keep. 
Yeah. <laughs> to my watch my hands and to watch my uh, mouth and etc. Okay. <laughs> That's great. We got That's fourteen. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do like the idea that we have guardian angels. I, like Richard said, I can't prove it from scripture, but I can come close, I think, with this passage. Um, certainly, Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, I, I think chapter one says that angels are uh, spirits that minister to God's people. And so I know that, that the church has angels watching over it. Uh, and serving serving us in various ways, or at least we have in the past, you know, in biblical times. I would assume we still do today. Why would angels have stopped blessing and helping the church if, if they did it before? Earl? Yes, you know, I, I really I really believe we do have guardian angels. You know, for one, it had to be an angel with my brother that day of the accident. And also through all my own life, I've had I've had to have angels watch over because when I when I had meningitis, uh, and then they they said I had uh, uh, ALS. Well, now doctors have said I don't have ALS. I have very bad spine that's uh, pushing on my nerves and stuff. So you know, I I really do believe. I've had angels. God definitely has a plan for me, but I sure would would wonder why me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You bet. You bet. Well, Kevin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Isn't there some place that said he gave angels charge over us? And then isn't there some place that says don't upset your your angels? <laughs> <laughs> I think on the second one, you're probably thinking of. Um, a passage where Paul says, um, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Um, so we, we get this uh, teaching, uh, don't, don't frustrate, don't stop the work of the Holy Spirit. That's probably what you're thinking of there. I, don't, I can't think of one that says, don't frustrate your angels, although I think that's a really good principle. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the first part, I forgot what you, what you just said. Uh, God gave... Uh, his angels charge over us. Right. That uh, that's the passage that uh, the devil quotes to Jesus, if I remember right, when um, when he's tempting Jesus to jump off the temple. Um, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Uh, probably from a little different translation. Let me go look in Luke and see if see what it says there. Let me research this for just a second. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. Yeah, I think that's the one that in another translation says he, he gives his angels charge over you. Um, Matthew 4, 6. Yes, Matthew 4, 6 and, and also Luke uh, 4, 10. And and Psalm 91. Psalm 91, thank you. Let me glance at that real fast. See how that puts it. Yeah, we looked at the angels in the Psalms. Oh, it's been a while. Been a while ago now. Um, yeah, Psalm 91, 11. Uh, if you, well, actually starting in verse 9, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent and, and so on. So I think it's that passage eh, that you're thinking of. And yeah, that, that does kind of sound like guardian angels, doesn't it? And I remember yeah. now that we talked about that a while back. I can remember these sayings and these things, but I can't remember where I've seen them. Uh -huh. or where I read them. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Hey, that's a good thing, though. I mean, the, the most important part sticking in the mind, and that's good. Then it's useful. It, it comes up when you need it. Yeah. Anybody else on guardian angels before we go to one more passage? Okay. Yes. What was that? What was that scripture you just quoted? That was uh, Psalm ninety-one, and okay, I, thank you. I read. Uh huh. You bet. I read verses nine to thirteen, but the psalm's not real long. It's only sixteen verses. You can read the whole thing. The whole thing kind of works in that same direction. A great, great psalm about God's protection and how He helps His people, uh, even through times of trouble. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let's go to our next passage here. 
uh, Mark 9, 38 to 41. And we'll, uh, we'll finish with this one. And then the, the uh, passage that uh, I was wanting to get to about uh, the devil's character, we'll get to that one next time. We'll start with that one. That way we'll be able to give it plenty of time. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Mark 9, 38. Teacher, said John. We saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. So a little teaching from Jesus here and a really interesting uh, snapshot of uh, dialogue between Jesus and his disciples, in this case, John, uh, as Jesus is going about his ministry. Uh, John, apparently, and some of the other disciples maybe have seen someone driving out demons in Jesus' name. They try to get him to stop. Who gave him the right to do that? He's, he's doing it in Jesus' name, and, and he's not one of Jesus' chosen disciples. So, you know, this this power, this name is copyrighted or whatever, trademarked, and you can't use it. And Jesus says, no, no, don't stop him, because if he's doing miracles in my name, he's, he's not going to turn around and say anything bad about us. So we need, uh, we need allies, not enemies here. Whoever is not against us is for us. So don't, uh, don't stop him. Let him, uh, let him continue to do this. Um, so the interesting uh, question to me at this point in our study is, could people who are not authorized by Jesus actually drive out demons? I think that's an interesting question, and I don't know if we can answer it, uh, except to say, uh, you know, it, it sounds like this person was, or at least was trying. Well, in, in this case, what's taught here is if he was not of Christ, he wasn't truly doing it in Christ's name, it wouldn't work because we have the example of the seven sons of somebody. Skiva. Yeah. Skiva. They were trying to cast out demons and they were even doing it under Jesus's name. And I think he says, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but I don't know you. <laughs> That's right. And then, and then the uh, man in whom the demons lived uh, turned around and beat up the two guys who were trying to right. do this yeah 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 that that story is in acts uh, 19 i believe if, if, for any of you who are keeping notes uh when paul is in ephesus and it was one of those moments that got the attention of a lot of people when they heard about it and they held the name of jesus in high honor uh, because of it because the demon did too but the demon did not hold in high honor uh the person who was trying to use jesus name for his own power uh, to, to go around and cast out demons. They're the two guys, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it may, makes you wonder here. So Jesus doesn't really deal with the question that I want to deal with, which is, did this really work? Uh, Acts 19, that story is probably more helpful there. Uh, but Jesus just says in verse 39, don't stop him, which I, th I think, you know, we should take to mean uh, don't go around picking fights over religious territory. Uh, if somebody else is doing good in the name of Jesus or trying to, let them do it. Don't uh, don't try to shut them down because oh, we're the only ones who get to do good things in the name of Jesus. Um, well, if if he was successful, and and I think by the by the wording, we saw someone driving out demons. He was being successful, mm -hmm. and Christ knows that he was doing it through the power of God. Yeah. So, so if he's working by the power of God, definitely don't stop him. That's right. Yeah. Just because you didn't give him permission doesn't mean God's upset with him. Yeah, let him, let him do what he's doing. Yeah. In fact, Jesus goes on to say in verse 41, if anyone just gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah, they will not lose their reward. You know, every, every little bit of good that they do in Jesus' name is, is going to be uh, honored by God and rewarded. Um, which is encouraging to us. You don't have to go out and drive out demons to please God. Uh, you can just give uh, someone a cup of water in uh, Jesus' name, and that honors God. You know, go out and just do whatever little bit of good God has given you to, the opportunity to do, and that's going to be a blessing. And, and Kevin, 
Mm-hmm. That's that's Christ teaching throughout. It's not the great things that are going to get us to heaven. Yeah. It's the little opportunities that we have of that that probably we take care of and don't even think about it. Yeah. That are that are that are going to be rewarding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Faithfulness is what God calls for. Not greatness, but faithfulness. Yeah. Okay, we'll wrap up there. Any last thoughts? Okay, let's go ahead and and, uh, close up there. We'll pick up with uh, John 7 uh, and 8 next time. And actually, we'll look at 7, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, And we're going to see what happens when Jesus is accused of being demon-possessed. And that leads him to talk a little bit about the devil and what the devil is like. And so we get to see kind of the inside look at the devil from God's perspective. Uh, so that'll be a, that'll be an interesting thing for us to look at. We are beginning to wind toward the end of Jesus' ministry. And so this uh, section and the, the long handout that, uh, that I gave out uh, and posted on the website, we're coming kind of toward the end of it. Uh, take us probably... Uh, um, two, three more weeks, four more weeks maybe to get through it. Um, There's some good stuff in there that we'll want to stop and talk about along the way, but we're getting toward the end. We are almost, almost at uh, at the end of uh, our encounters with with demons. When we get right to the end of Jesus' ministry, the demons uh, don't pop up anymore. He's not casting out demons anymore that we know of. Uh, We look at other uh, aspects of the the in-between realm. Uh, at that point, as we get toward Jesus' passion and his uh, uh, crucifixion and his resurrection. Uh, so we'll have a little bit more on demons, but then we're going to be looking at other things. All right. So that's where we're headed. And um, Earl, can I ask you to close us up in prayer? Sure. All right. Thank you. Maybe go over Heavenly Father, please. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so so much for this day. We thank for life and blessing us. We thank you so much for Kevin that he is able to be back with us and that he could bring your word to each one of us and that maybe understand it more clearly. You have to be the ones in our congregation that, that are sick and that have this virus. Be with them and keep them strong and healthy and get them back in a healthy situation in their lives. Be with us as we go through this day and through our lives. Forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.